This is Abnormal Entertainment. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your life. You're listening to the No Cry Zone, a progressive political podcast on the Abnormal Entertainment Network. Live from Blue Frog Books in Howe, Michigan, the belly of the beast. Welcome, everyone, to the No Cry Zone. I'm David Hayes here with John Arking and Rob Vidro. And uh, it's been a crazy, uh, another crazy week in politics, especially for us lefties and uh, centrists and other odd, dirty names that you could call people. Um, this is uh, episode five. And we are recording in the Blue Frog Books, the middle of the belly of the beast in Howell, Michigan. Hello, fellas. How are you? Good, good. How about you? Good. I'm all right. I'm yeah. all right. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. How are you, David? I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine. Um, I was tired earlier, and but then, you know, I had some B12, and yeah. And you're energized about Trent Gowdy. Trent, anyone <laughs> named Trent Gowdy is a buddy of mine. Well, I guess we're starting with Benghazi, 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 Benghazi. Did anybody think it wasn't what it is? Anyone of our persuasion? No, I think even <laughs> Republicans knew. I don't well. know how... Well, I do know. Willful ignorance, which of course defines a lot of what goes on on the other side. But I just don't even know how they can, with a straight face any longer, keep up this facade that... I think that, that this committee is that the current incarnation of this committee because this is not the first committee, no, but that this current committee is anything but a political witch hunt. Period. And it was. I think it always has been. I think um, the Republicans in the know, i.e., the people on the committee, the people in Congress, their staffers, they know. Uh, the Democrats know. This is all a big political stunt, but it's the the common voter. The common conservative Republican voter doesn't know. And I'll relate a story where I ran into one of those men, a Korean War vet in a coffee shop who uh, had to yell at the top of his lungs that uh, Hillary Clinton was a bleeping, lying, bleeping, 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 bleeping favorite word to use in British rugby. Hmm. C word. Mm hmm. It was amazing. Centrist? Yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, yes. Yeah. He's riding that fence. And just pure vile. Yeah, right. Pure pure vitriol. Just hatred well, spewing because of she lied about these but, emails. But this is a this is exactly the outcome. This is a well honed formula. This is a very well oiled maintained machine that starts with the Republicans in Congress who both take their orders from Fox News and and and, and this is it's not I'm not just saying this facetiously I mm-hmm. mean they they get their marching orders from Roger Ailes and Fox News their talking points if you will yes and so not only do they send those out to the Republicans in Congress they then take back what comes from that and reflect it out broadly into the public and this has worked perfectly for them in terms of reaching the voters that they want to reach which frankly are um one source, uh, you know, people who get all of their news and information from strictly one source, and not only they own, not only do they 
get all their information from one source, Fox News, <laughs> um, they purposely avoid information from other sources. Uh, yep. they, they largely don't read newspapers. Um, if they do, they get out of the way to read the newspapers that they want to read, like the Washington Times mm-hmm. uh, or other, you know, or they look at particular blog posts, Red State, um, Breitbart News, things like that. That are parroting. That, that are just basically taking the same, and they're just an echo chamber of the same stuff. Right. Uh, but we've discussed this before, though. The echo chamber is preferable, isn't it? It's where they want to be. That The Kevin McCarthy gaffe was due to the fact that he forgot that yeah. other people existed besides right. yes. him and the Republicans. Oh, yeah, you <clears throat> see what our poll numbers are doing now? <laughs> and Hannity, you know, much to you know, his credit, realized, I'm on a TV show. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> well, is it getting him anywhere, though? No. Is, is it really? I mean, that that's what I would like to kind of weigh out is is the is those numbers growing or are they actually shrinking? The tea partiers of the world, uh, I, of the of the America. Again, I'm I'm faced with our own little bubble here, mm-hmm. where we run into an inordinate amount of tea partiers. Correct. Where we're at, and so that's when it gets frustrating. Like my wife will have nothing to do with politics anymore because. She's like, they're, they're all around us. It's we, we can't win, and it's no, it's where you're at, and things like that. Uh, but uh, are they growing? I don't know if they're growing, but they're getting louder. Mm-hmm. Well, most of the states are definitely controlled red now, uh, and I've seen very ugly looking, uh, you know, countrywide maps are, are you know well, uh, now hashing ones that used to be very blue well, you're, going you're, red. Yeah, you're correct that most of the state legislatures have gone red. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been able to gerrymander uh, those, and again, pointing back to the 2010 election and just how absurdly important that was, mm-hmm. right? Um, and how they saw it, they knew exactly what they were doing. That it was, and this is where the Tea Party got incorporated into the Republican Party because they saw this movement that arose organically. I do think that it arose organically. Mm-hmm. The Republican Party then latched onto it, incorporated it, and rode it to success in the 2010 election and has used that success from 2010 to achieve these goals. Now, they're beginning to see the negative aspects of that in that they've incorporated this entity within their own party and now can't control it. And it's driving the party in many ways towards the cliff. They have all this electoral success, but even with gerrymandered districts, I mean, they, they're, they're, it could be wishful thinking, maybe I'm in the bubble now, but I just feel like <laughs> they are they are going to, it will get to the point where a critical mass will be reached where they can't even win in their gerrymandered districts. They're going to be so far out of the mainstream. It's quite possible we're going to get there, you know, and, and um, I was going to bring up gerrymandering as a reason for success because we can see we're going to different districts in 2020 or right. 2020. Right, that'll be the next uh, census will be 2020, next which census. will be a presidential election year, Right, and that's going to be a big bonus for the Democrats because they're always going to do better in presidential election years. They do, and uh, what we'll see is a different, a different redistricting. And we're going to have distinctly different districts, uh, much like we had before uh, when it was on a more equal basis. And um, uh, it, that's going to make a big difference. But I think there is a there's less Tea Partiers, per se, than there were. And I think that, it, like any fad, it, it's running its course. It, it, it is, it's gone to a point from kind of semi-sort of rational complaints to... 
unbelievably ridiculous complaints about, you know, Obama is the Antichrist at this mm-hmm. point. He's, he's taking over Texas. <laughs> when he's gone, who do we have? Hillary's not hitting it, not hitting it for most people. She, she's not the devil that they want her to be. Oh, well, they'll find a way. And they, they already they, have. They may. They may, but they haven't yet. Oh, there's, pl- yeah, they're, they're, yeah, there's, there's plenty of Hillary hatred there out is, there. There is, but it's not even near the level of Obama. Only because they're still focused on Obama. They will be able to retune and refocus and aim it as needed. I don't think they'll have it. They're, I think they're, they're going to sputter because the, now they're falling apart. We just saw recently Chuck Todd ask a real question. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. saw, I saw that too. <laughs> what am I watching? CNN called uh, Jeb Bush out on defending his brother and, and applying the same uh, um, rules of it's you're, you're in the saddle when bad things happen to Hillary Clinton. He had nothing. Oh, it was Jake Tapper. Uh, yeah, Jake Tapper on CNN. Yeah, and, and I, I thought the same thing. We're seeing mm-hmm. journalists step back up. Little by little, they're getting there. So what's little by little? Uh, yeah, that's uh, distinctly more than we had, right? And and uh, in that in that particular instance, it was another instance where Jeb Bush was asked a question that he should have been rehearsed, you know, months ago, and yet oh, seemed gosh. as if he was like, "I what?" Um, which is just laughable. I aware? <laughs> uh, in and of itself. But I, I, I still think that even when you see these little glimpses, I unfortunately they're the exception and not the rule. I still do think so corporate, the corporate media is not a, it's not a fiction to say that the media is controlled by the corporatocracy. It, it, it very much is. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to let, yeah, okay, we'll let Jake Tapper ask a question here or there and make, you know, and I almost feel like, yeah, it looks good that way. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. You know, and besides which, you know, if they can uh, throw a speed bump, uh, you know, under George Bush, um, you know, maybe that, who, who benefits, who benefits from George Bush slowing down? Who benefits from speed bumping George Bush on the Republican side? Um, I would say, you know, certainly your Donald Trumps and all the rest. Now, Trump, you know, Trump's a pariah and an outlier within his own party. And, of course, he's touched the third rail in that very same instance because mm-hmm. he's now, you know, insisted that George W. Bush is to blame for 9-11, mm-hmm. something that all that Republicans had seemingly been in lockstep on in saying, oh, no, he kept us safe. He's a truther. You know. And, a and, truther. You know, and here's, and here's <laughs> Trump out there, and I'm, I'm like, boy, this may be the beginning of the end of Trump in the, as a Republican candidate. I don't to think touch so. That, to touch that is, that's when are like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Now you're beginning to question some of the, the, the very tenets of the faith. I don't think he's as much of an outlier as you think because that is the people who Ted Cruz is too conservative. You know, we have a population here that Ted Cruz is too conservative. And they think that Donald will go in there and whoop some butt just like they would if they were there. Um, so I, I, I really, I fear Donald Trump at this point because I'm not sure how big our population is that really likes him. With him being the front runner, it's, it's crazy scary. It's, and again... I think it's scary in one sense, but again, it's a primary. So, of all registered voters, very few of them actually participate in primaries to begin with. But how far can an anti-gun, pro-choice, non-religious guy... That's Trump, by the way. Yeah. uh, How far can he really go in a Republican primary? Yes, he's touching on some hot 
topic, hot button things, and yep, they're responding to them. But I just don't see how he can take it all the way. Never underestimate the power of celebrity. A pair of great big breasts convinced us that uh, uh, little shots in the arm to our kids cause autism. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) never underestimate the celebrity. You're probably right, uh, and that works both ways. Uh, here in the belly of the beast, we have Melissa Gilbert running as a Democratic candidate. We certainly do. Uh, and, you know, I, I, whereas this is a solidly Republican district, it's been, was gerrymandered to be Republican-proof, uh, or Democrat-proof, I guess you could say. And, um, and yet, interestingly enough, she's had some traction here uh, already with people who, who I don't think would, if, if she was Melissa Smith, wouldn't give her a second look when right. he, he would hear mm-hmm. one word she had to say. But it's Melissa Gilbert, former Little House in the Prairie star, and suddenly there's, uh, you know, um, there's interest there. People are beginning it's to, you know, are beginning to listen, and it's an interesting thing. Besides talking about the power of celebrity, you know, she's already drawing in funds from Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know, she's already got uh, contributions, you know, from Alec Baldwin and Kiefer Sutherland and uh, and others. And um, I would dare to say. That come next spring or summer, you're probably going to see some of those Hollywood stars come make some trips here uh, into the eighth district in Michigan, and it'll be very, very interesting because this is a district that Democrats, I think, legitimately see they can flip yep. to the Democratic yeah. side. And they didn't see that until a legitimate beloved celebrity moved into town. Right. Yep. Right. So it works both ways. Yep. Um, and now this district used to be the home. It was crafted to be the home, the permanent. Uh, residence, if you will, of one Mike Rogers, uh, who you know originally inhabited this uh, district, um, and when after the 2010 uh, census and, and that redistricting, they crafted this district to make it sure that he stayed here forever. Now he retired from Congress. We we touched on this last time. Um, you know he left, I think, largely because a I think I think he saw the writing on the wall of where the Republican Party was going. And I don't think he saw that there was going to be a lot of good stuff coming for him sitting where he was in Congress. And he had a, he had a cheery post. You know, he, House Intelligence Committee chair, which, by the way, interestingly enough, to kind of tie this back to what we originally talked about, his committee produced a definitive report on Benghazi <clears throat> yep. that completely exonerated, it completely blew away all the conspiracy, uh, conspiracy theories, said none of that, there's no evidence to suggest that whatsoever, and that there were legitimate questions as to uh, whether proper security was made, and and that mm-hmm. those are legitimate inquiries that could be followed. Whether you know maybe there could have been better security, mm-hmm. and let's learn from this and move forward. But as far as all the conspiracy crap, completely blew it away out of the water. And I I wonder, part of me wonders if you know he delivered that report and then three two three months later announces he's retiring from Congress. Yeah. So you have to wonder if because that was not the report the they Republican wanted. Party no, wanted. No. no, and when it was released, uh, it was. It was shocking to us, or at least to me, that it was released with you know a, a Republican, even even a a, a moderate Republican, uh, semi Mike semi moderate Republican releasing this report. I'm like, wow, I, I didn't expect them to do that. I, I thought there'd be a little more sh- shenanigan happening. Mm-hmm. Little did we know the shenanigans came later when we have the real. Oops, not my phone. When we have the real uh, committee put together, <laughs> Mister Gowdy. <laughs> Rolls in and he's going to 
Oh, man. That guy just looks weird. Well, what is wrong with his head? Yeah. It, 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 it looks like it's built from stealth technology. <laughs> Doesn't it? Because the way it's shaped. <laughs> it's just like, what is going on up there? Cone on top. It's, uh, or it's like they, they started to make him up to be a Klingon extra on Next Generation, and then they stopped. I don't know what's going on with that skull. He's a gray. Yeah, it's something. <laughs> He's from Area 51. It is mind-bending. Just the, oh. to, 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 and the fact that they—I mean—you've got to give them credit in the sense of, but they—they're not deterred. Mm-mm. The fact that you had Kevin McCarthy, uh, you know, just out him, yeah, just straight right, out him, make a big mistake and tell the truth, <laughs> yeah. you know, oops. And then you have uh, one of their the lead investigator who comes out and says, "I was fired because." I said, you know, I said this committee is overly focusing on Hillary Clinton and not following proper investigative mm-hmm. procedures, and and of course they accuse him of the same, whatever. And then you have another Republican, I think, of New York congressman who who came out and said similar things. Well, we all know this was to get Hillary. Yep. You know, why are we even why are we even dispensing with this nonsense that it wasn't? Of course it was. And then they're like, shut up, and they keep moving forward. Yep. They don't care. It doesn't matter. One of the things I am one of those guys that like to actually go look at it on C-SPAN, not find it on some other channel that's going to give me a clip, but I watched a good hour of it, and <laughs> one of his lines that stuck with me was somebody brought back a question of, well, this isn't under the scope of our investigation, and his response was, everything is under the scope of this investigation. We are trying to find the wrongdoing in everything about this. Right. So it was just that one That one quote just stuck out in my mind is like, like, we're just going to go forward no matter what no you people say. <laughs> and even if, now, did you see the email that was discovered in Hillary's emails? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, the one with Blair? Yes. Yeah. Uh, about the Iraq War and mm-hmm. the secret meeting with uh, Tony Blair and George W. Bush. Uh, a year before. Yeah, a year before uh, we went to war in Iraq. And there'd always been speculation about what was discussed at that meeting, but no one could ever confirm it. And yet one of the emails that was forced out by the Republicans, <laughs> we must see all the emails. And they're like, oh, well, not that one. Uh, delete, delete. Um, you know, and it comes out, and um, it's uh, it's from Colin Powell um, and to, to George W. Bush. And, and basically... Making it very clear that the decision to go to war was made, uh, you know, a year before we went to war in Iraq. So mm-hmm. it, that's not a surprise to a lot of people, but it's it's definitive proof. Um, and so, how funny is that? That this this line of inquiry that they will not give up on. That I think most rational people have come to the conclusion of, eh, whatever. Even if they even if they started with the idea of oh maybe there's something there maybe there is something. I think most again I want to qualify this by saying rational people <laughs> right. have gone eh, whatever even if there is something there it's so political now it doesn't mean anything so whatever most of those people have left so you're you're really preaching to the choir you're only mm-hmm. <clears throat> preaching to the people that were already with you anyway and now you're, re- you're you're doing further damage to your own party politically and now you're you're releasing documents that are confirming the First, yeah. uh, accusations that have been made against the previous administration now making it plainly clear that that mm. was the case. And, you know, that to me is, you, you want to have a congressional committee to look into a scandal. That's the scandal to look into. Right, and where are the Democrats? Yeah. And, now, and that's, and that's and a great... And where are the Democrats well, on Right all. now, um, they're putting together, they're, they're got the feelers out mm-hmm. for whether... Uh, uh, 
the uh, uh, committee can be put together. Not in the minority. No, I mean, no, and that's the problem. No, as long as they're in the minority, nothing can be done. But e- but they can gin up a lot. They more could, talk. but they mm-hmm. won't, and they won't. Yeah, because they you want to know why? Because I think that the Democratic Party largely are cowards. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that they are. I think every time they get a little mouthy, their corporate daddy comes along and, and, and knocks them down a notch. You know, hey, yeah. we're not talking about that this month. You guys can go talk about that if you want, but not that. Right. And yeah. they and they they clam up. You know? possible. Well, and I think you're right about that, Rob, that that there is the, the sense that um, there's certain things that they are willing to go to bat for and other things that they are, because they know they're conflicted by, mm-hmm. that they have to be careful on. Um, but, I mean, also I think it's interesting, I was thinking about this about the debate last week, the first Democratic debate, and while most of the candidates... Uh, you know, had uh, generally complimentary things to say about Obama. Um, you know, it's interesting to see how many there's. There's still really no full throated support for the president. Yeah. Um, and and you'll see. We saw that in the midterms where the Democrats got creamed and in 2014. And they wouldn't let Obama come and stump you know, for him. Right. They wouldn't let Obama <laughs> come and stump for him, even though he's clearly the most popular person <laughs> yeah. in the party. Right. Uh, and uh, you know, they, they, they just. Don't seem to learn that they, they they it's almost like they're too busy watching Fox News <laughs> to understand that no, you this party led by this president has made some serious gains. There are criticisms to be made and there were opportunities that were missed, and that's all fine and good, and we can talk about that. But there are there are serious accomplishments mm-hmm. that should be touted and supported and stood behind, and yet mm-hmm. we are tentative. In those, yeah, and we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be. Yeah, but the the new trillion dollar uh, change in the deficit, it, it is shrunk by, by a trillion dollars, and right, and right. you can't find it on the news. I had to go Whoa. actually find it on Rachel, and then go to a CBO for the government to actually confirm it. Right, but it's not on the news. Right. It should be on every every station around that our deficit is shrinking, and these are the programs that are doing it, and, and this it's, is how we're doing it. And it's but interesting it's how you said that. You saw it on Rachel Maddow mm-hmm. on MSNBC, and then you went to the Congressional Budget Office. Yeah. It, it, right. To, uh, the to nonpartisan, confirm. factual yeah. basis to uh, confirm those numbers. So it's interesting when you say Rachel Maddow, because I find that a lot of people on the right or in the center who lean right will go... And anytime you complain about Fox News or you criticize Fox News, they'll say, oh, well, Rachel Maddow and MSNBC, same thing. And I go, no, 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 no. Yes, Rachel Maddow and MSNBC are of a slant. There's Mm -hmm. no doubt about it that they have a particular point of view that they are originating from. And we can discuss whether that's a good thing or a bad thing or not. The difference is I would like somebody to advance to me instances in which, and we'll use her in particular, in which Rachel Maddow has put out False information. She's put out some very, uh, you know, ballsy statements and mm-hmm. been very declaratory and, and 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 partisan and political. No doubt about it. In her opinion. In her opinion. Correct. But when has she ever put out false, verifiably incorrect, false information? I can show you fifty examples. Mm-hmm. G- give me half an hour, and yeah. I someone give me half an hour. I will come up with fifty examples where that's happened on Fox News, on O'Reilly. On any of those shows, just O'Reilly. Just O'Reilly. O'Reilly. You're right. <laughs> just O'Reilly in a half hour. Just in a half hour of O'Reilly's show, there's yep. fifty in- inaccuracies. There would be fifty there. Yeah. So you know, it's this, it's this equivalency. It's a false equivalency that we're getting over and over again to try and. So when those and the reason I bring this up. So when when you 
see those on Rachel Maddow, and then you go to Congressional Budget Office to confirm them. Um, people will hear that and they go, oh, well, Rachel Maddow, so it's obviously all slanted. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that you confirmed it from the independent, par- nonpartisan source. Right. It doesn't matter. If they know what the CBO is. Well, right. So there's that. There's that, yeah, unfortunately. And again, we all, it all boils down to a distinct lack of uh, civics classes and people paying attention and how government works. And that they are a part, whether they want to be or not. The, the they and the they that will do bad things to mm-hmm. you is you. Is you. <laughs> and already shown, already proven. Right. Uh, you know, that's the, that's the scary thing is why aren't people waking up realizing that, hey, our, you know, lack of knowledge, our lack of care is hurting us and we well, better get involved. Well, because we need a villain. I guess. You need a villain to, to get you through your day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, whether it be your boss or your wife or your your mother-in-law or whoever, you got to have somebody to hate. I always blame the dark guy. Yeah. What about Mr. Slate from the Flintstones? I mean, that's where I would go. Mm-hmm. Straight to him. Yeah. Straight to him. As far as having a villain that you can. Flintstone. <laughs> I never thought he was you know too outside the box. I mean, he was reasonable what he wanted. He just wanted you know right. a fair but, day's work for the pay. But even on Flintstones, you had your tea party here because you had Uncle Tex yes. who'd come and <laughs> shooting him up with his guns and driving his big limo. All right, I don't know where I've taken this podcast today. Yeah, I, yeah <laughs> I'm kind of against time. Fred's work ethic here. I, I'm kind of on Mr. Rubble's side on that one. You know, Fred's work ethic was horrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, union. <laughs> <laughs> big dino rock mover <laughs> union. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, and Barney was part of the union, too. Yeah. Gosh, I'm starting to think, the more I think about this, it's just horrible. Right? It's horrible. Betty was hot. <laughs> Fred Flintstone was a tea partier. <laughs> no, I don't know that he'd be a tea partier. I think he would be a kind of your average, uh, you know, fox watcher, don't you think? Yeah. And uh, Complaining about, you know, uh, socialism and communists as they right. drive on sidewalks right. and, and things I, like that. I, right, I right. see the banner for our podcast now, the Fred Flintstone comparison. <laughs> Flintstone voters. Yeah. This could be a whole new thing. The average American Flintstone voters. (laughs) We've got Jetson voters, Flintstone voters. Mm. All right, so everybody on the right always says that the the media is the liberal media. Um, How can they say that when half of it is spewing their stuff, their hate? Because they're wrong. I want to know if there was really a liberal media, there'd be no need for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, even a centrist media. I get that a lot from the the, whole, the liberal media said that about my my Republican guy. Well, you know, your Republican guy did that, and I've actually gave up on watching Rachel because it was all just about Democrats. Was, you know, Democrats did all this, and the Republicans are all evil. And I actually went out and tried to find some news shows that would find bad things that Democrats have done. I couldn't really find too many. There were some bribes and there's, things, there's bribes. but it was a, it was a really a you know, there's, there's the Wiener sex scandal, the ironically named Wiener sex scandal. Mm-hmm. They're, they're out there. You know, Democrats do stupid things, just not at the level and frequency <laughs> that, like, who's the guy? I can't remember his name. He is a, he's a big uh, um, uh, pro-life guy um, that impregnated a hooker He's in Congress. You're talking about David... No, not David Vetter. He impregnated a hooker and uh, uh, 
asked her to get an abortion. I'm going to look it up. Oh, he was pleading, crying and pleading with her. I just yeah. saw that just this week. All our family value people are uh, are definitely proving their, their colors these days. Um, they go out there and have all these, well, these extramarital you know, we, affairs. We, and <laughs> we talk about that. You know, now there's another theory that's floating as to why Kevin McCarthy really turned down the speakership and that, that he was having an affair with a Republican congresswoman. Yeah. And then another family values thing, um, which is interesting because, again, here in Michigan, we had a similar situation, uh, and it's still playing itself out, of two state representatives who were total Tea Partiers, totally far to the right, family values, and it turned out they were having an affair together. And the genius, uh, Todd Corser, uh, was one of Cindy Gamrat was the other one. And the, Todd Corser, of course was worried that this affair was going to be discovered, so he sent he sent purposely sent out an email to make it attacking himself as having sex with a gay prostitute um, because that would cover up the affair with Gamrat because then if the affair with Gamrat came out, then it would look pale in comparison. And you're like, this is your th- what this is your thought process? See, I actually thought that came from the the higher higher up in the party. I don't really I didn't strategy. yeah, I really didn't give him that much credit to put that all together. I thought that that was this is how we're going to get rid of you and we want to blame it on the gays. I just <laughs> that, but that took you away from us from the fold. Well, but you know, the thing is is of course that all blew up and both of them were expelled and be under no illusion. The, the the state the House of Representatives in in the state of Michigan is one of the most partisan, one of the most right wing state legislators in the country. Um, and if you look at their voting record, they are they are right wing where it's just it is unbelievable. And even they were like, yeah, you got to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and of course these two have now because of a, a horribly written recall law, are now both running for the seats that they were expelled from. Yep. Um, who knows? But you see these family values uh, candidates, and you, it almost—it's a—it was—it was a joke at one point, but it, it almost—you almost just feel like the more somebody is uh, comes vehemently anti-gay, you're like, eh, okay, why don't you just admit that you you like the men? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's okay. Just it, just admit it. Well, isn't that always the way? Is the one that's always screaming about it is going to be the one who's breaking Absolutely. The, the rule at the moment? Jesus was a community organizer. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, it's David Vitter. Oh, it is Vitter. Who um, who was uh, yeah. did impregnate a Louisiana prostitute? I didn't know he got her pregnant. Now he's a and, Louisiana uh, senator. Begged her, crying, begged her right. to have an abortion. Okay. Um, but in my search, I had forgotten about <laughs> um, Scott Desjardins. The uh, Tennessee guy, uh, Tennessee uh, uh, Republican congressman, who um, uh, got his mistress pregnant and asked her to uh, uh, have multiple abortions before, right before voting on uh, some pro-life legislation. Right. So, so you're saying that like that? There's a problem with that because there's always one set of rules for mm-hmm. the rule makers mm-hmm. and a whole another set for everybody else to live by. There certainly is. And we can see that if, uh, I don't know if we're ready to move on to a different topic. Oh, please do. But we can see that uh, in uh, gun control. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, lawmakers are adamant that, and again, I'll use Michigan as an example. Uh, here in Michigan, we have a current law that's working its way through the legislature that wants to get rid of gun-free zones. So churches, hospitals, schools, universities, 
um, which previously were off-limits to guns, except if you're a law enforcement officer. But there was a loophole in Michigan law because it was written poorly. It was written piss poorly. Mm-hmm. And um, it allowed people that had a concealed weapons permit could open carry in these gun-free zones. And it was not intended. It was just that the law was written so poorly, this loophole was allowed. Right. And so to close the loophole... Okay, so people... The, 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 the public has generally said this is unacceptable that we have these gun-free zones, which I think generally the public can go, churches, schools, hospitals, these seem to be places we shouldn't have guns. Um, that the solution to this now, of course, by the Republicans in Michigan, is to then just abolish gun-free zones. Uh, and, and so now you can, they, they, what the, what the law they want to pass is they want to get rid of gun-free zones, <coughs> except... The state legislature. Yep. You want to come into the state legislature? Guess what? You're going through a metal detector, mm-hmm. and no, you can't bring your gun in here. And you know, it's amazing to me yeah, the that, hubris that to say this. Volumes, all the rest of us have to live in Dodge City, uh, but they get to live in Cloud City. Mm-hmm. And I just whoa, whoa, whoa! Black guy runs Cloud City. I'm sorry. <laughs> Lando. Lando. I understand. <laughs> Lando runs Cloud City. And he sold everyone out to Vader. Well, there you go. Who's half black. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Or wait. No. I, I don't know what I don't I'm know. talking about. Why, why does that have any... <laughs> well, I took <laughs> it to the Flintstones. would never live yeah. somewhere run oh, by a black guy. I got you. The, yeah, we know that already. He sold out to a half black guy with all his white soldiers. Mm-hmm. Ben Carson? What if Ben Carson ran Cloud City? Ben Carson ran Cloud City, it'd be a magical, mystical place where everyone would know Ben Jitsu. <laughs> You're right. free zones. I forgot. Yes. Good job. But uh, keep your gun. Even shoot it at me. I will catch the bullet in my teeth. I will dodge the bullet. I saw this in a movie once. I will, I will not only dodge the bullet, I will redirect the bullet at the employee of the establishment we're in so you can take their money and not mine. But 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 again to the issue of gun control and 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 we say gun control and it's not a, it's not a very uh, apt phrase we're talking about reasonable gun regulation is what it really is it's not and it's not about taking guns it is not about uh you know uh, prohibiting people from owning guns it is about some reasonable regulation and by and large when you do across the board surveys of the general public by good majorities, the public is on board with this stuff. And yet it can't gain traction anywhere because the NRA and, uh, and, and its ilk have done an excellent job of controlling the political levers and making sure that none of that stuff gets through. None of it will get through. And, you know, it's, uh, again, where I think you have this, the lawmakers have one set of rules for themselves and another set for everybody else. And we're all, and we're, we're all supposed to just take it. How can it change? What's the, what's the answer? We can't just sit here and take it. Is it voting? Is it, is it trying to get the money out? Is it, what, you know, that's what politics has come up to me now is everybody just gets frustrated and throws their hands up in the air. Well, what can we do? Well, I. My personal thought is is get involved and at least know the stories that are going around is stage one. You know, stage one is understand what's happening. Stage two is get in the voting booth. You know, we had, what, 20-some percent here uh, the last... The last primary mm-hmm. or the last uh, off-year election, 20%. So 
where are 80% of the public that are all enraged and, and, you know, where are they? Come to the voting booth and at least tell me what your opinion is. Right. You know? But what, what do we do? Tell them. Well, I, I think you, <laughs> it is about, you're right, we do need to get people to the polls. And, uh, and of course, the other side knows this. The Republicans are well aware of this, and they've been working diligently for 10 years or more now, mm-hmm. really more like 15 years, uh, to uh, prevent people from getting to the polls as best they can. Mm-hmm. Um, legally. Try and, yeah, and, and, and legally do it, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, in Wisconsin... Uh, their Supreme Court there just overturned a, a challenge to a state law that wouldn't allow a veteran to use his veteran's ID to vote. Mm-hmm. And he was a homeless veteran, so he's homeless veteran. He has his he has his federally issued VA ID that he uses to go get medical care at the VA with a picture. With a picture, absolutely. And this is a federally issued ID for this gentleman, and yet. In Wisconsin, they said, no, nope, that's not good enough. You have to have a state-issued ID. And by the way, the state-issued IDs, you have to be at these very few offices that we've opened up, and they don't have regular hours, mm-hmm. and we're going to make it very difficult. And there's a fee, by the way, Mr. Homeless Veteran. <laughs> so go, and, and there's no problem here. And so the, the ridiculousness of, this, of, of the fact that they try to perpetuate this, <clears throat> again, falsity, that there is voter fraud out there, when in fact there there is no voter fraud. It's yeah. it's negligible the voter fraud that yeah. exists. It's it's a fraction of a percentage. Um, anytime you look at, at voting, because we don't count Chicago. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, we do. We count it ten times early enough. Um, <laughs> early enough. I mean, we just had an instance in Arizona where I think the Secretary of State in Arizona was just recently indicted uh, mm-hmm. for. And she ran on a platform of, we're going to get rid of these voting frauds. Yeah. And then it turned out, well not, well, not only was she siphoning money out of the office using uh, state credit cards, right. um, but she was uh, also falsifying um, voting documents uh, to you know, perpetrate this fraud. Mm-hmm. And, and you go, there's the fraud. It's the ones, the, and again, we go back to the, the ones that are yelling the most Ooh, about something are usually the ones that are committing it. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Um, so we just talked about that. You know who's yelling the loudest about uh, uh, you know anti-gay rights here? The guys tapping their foot in the airport <laughs> restrooms. Yeah. yeah. International yeah. sign for let's do this. So part of me says, you know, I, I I know this isn't the conventional wisdom, but when you see these voter ID laws go up across the country, and I think they're horrible. I think they're probably unconstitutional, but here they are, they exist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know that there's any time soon that they're going to go away. I almost just wish that some progressive organizations uh, would put some money together to go out and provide, say, okay, that's what it, then we will <clears throat> provide it. We'll find a way to make it happen. Go to Wisconsin, find homeless veterans. Drive, make, pick them up, drive them to the Secretary of State's office, provide them with the money to get the ID, and make sure people get IDs. And again, I know the conventionalism is, no, we have to repeal these laws, they're horrible laws, and I agree they are horrible, and if you can repeal them, I'm with you. But it's, it's a matter of what we can do, right. not what we should do. What can you do right now? You know, and I, and I almost feel like the only way to deal with these laws is to, okay, then we'll play by those rules. Then we will give people IDs. Right. And by the same token as you see um, 
uh, abortion restrictions go into place at, at, at places like in Texas where they say, and here in Michigan as well, where they say, all right, so if you're an abortion provider, we are going to mandate that your facilities be on par with a hospital mm-hmm. as a, with, that has overnight stays and surgical, and you have to have all of the same accreditation. And by passing these laws, immediately like 98% of facilities are completely yeah. out of the running and can't have to close, can't provide those services. And they know exactly what they're doing. And again, you almost feel like saying, all right, if that's the way you want to play, then let's find a way to get those facilities up to surgical standard. Then right. if that's the <clears throat> Now, of course, they'll probably just find some other law to pass. But um, I, it's, it's so frustrating now that, and again, it comes back to finding ways to work in the system to achieve the desired results. Because we have to find some way to make it work. We have to. And I think the system is very flawed in that no one knows what the real truth is. Um, you know, everybody's got their side of it, and, right. and they take their facts as they come. Um, but here is one gentleman that I thought was a, a model. Uh, Mayor of Albuquerque saw a homeless man with a will work sign and gave him a great idea. He actually went out and bought a van, and now every Tuesday and Thursday he runs around the neighborhood looking for homeless people and has them go and do odd jobs for the city. As soon as they get into the van, they get a sandwich, get fueled up for the day, they they make nine bucks an hour, and they work for six and a half hours throughout that day. He now has people lining up to get into that work program. His city is cleaner, he has far less crime, and he's actually making action happen the way he saw fit. And Albuquerque, as far as I know, is a pretty right-wing... What a jerk! ...right-wing town (laughs) for that to be happening in. Um, So that is one of my... Why I asked the question was, what all can we do on our daily drive to work? Smile at the other guy. Um wave someone through the intersection, make it a more peaceable place so that we can get out of this hate zone that the, we're all in um, one way or the, another to get on with the new projects. You know, what can we do? We have a huge problem, with, huge problem with <laughs> poor people. You know, I have a problem what if them. we They're gave poor. corporations the ability to spend all of their tax dollars, every dollar that they spend on taxes in any charitable endeavor that they see fit has to come within a a box a framework but hey we understand you don't want to give your money to the federal government here's what we need why can't we have something like that starting with the corporations well they'll never go for it because they don't pay taxes now you're asking them to pay something when prior to that it's zero this has to start at a personal level it has to be on a one-to-one level you know and that's really how that's how everything really has to start you can't ask a corporate because a corporation's not a person. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. You can't rationalize with a corporation. You can't convince a corporation that it's in their best interests. Yeah, you're right. You you would go to a person within that corporation you would, who, and, and who they, might listen to you. Who maybe, yeah, who might listen to you. But again, you know, I think in, uh, this is going to sound so cynical, but that's kind of pipe dreamish. I I agree. I agree. Uh, it's very pipe dreamish, but. Uh, with pipe dreams come other solutions like, hey, that's way out in left field. What if we did this well, what instead? You're, I mean, what you're talking about really is a, a, a facet called Nietzschean Buddhism. Yep. Which is, you know, you know, take care of your personal environment, and if everyone takes care of their own personal environment, then, of course, mm-hmm. it expands like that. Um, it can work. It can happen. 
what we need to do, though, is educate people first. Because it's easier to be scared. It's easier to have a villain. They figured it out a long time ago. When you pit one segment of a community against another, you have complete control. John Lynch did that with uh, slaves. You know, the dark slaves and the white slaves. One's in the house, one's in the field. Pit them against each other. You'll have complete control over everybody if they stay afraid and angry and, and you know, just at one, each other's throats. That's where we're at right now. Orwell mm-hmm. knew it. We see it happening. But we can't convince people to get out of it because it's a comfort zone. <laughs> and that's exactly why uh, there's still a Republican Party, even after all the idiocy that happens within it. And there's still conservatives. And there's still a Tea Party because fear is how we control masses hmm. and make money. Right. That's always been the case, though. Yeah. I mean, this is nothing new nope. to, nothing to this, new this country. Uh, well, to the world. You yeah. know, uh, it's, uh, that's always been the case. In, in, and the irony, of course, is in the age of true age of mass communication, instant communication, um, it's harder than ever to, mm. to educate people. Um, Which is strange. Only because the, the 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 tools are there. It's 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 easy in the in the sense of of yes, they have the ability to do it. It's the motivation to do it that is lacking. Uh, I do mm-hmm. challenge you though, I guess, because we're cynical. We're old. We're middle aged. Look at your kids. Gee, thanks. What you didn't know? <laughs> You're also bald. Let me what? <laughs> it was You're radio. Old. They all thought he had a full head Thanks of hair. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> Obama. <laughs> so look at your kids. They don't have the same biases no, that we had growing up. That is true. It's hmm. completely different. I look at uh, my niece is ten, and you know she's she's getting older. She's seeing the world and she's seeing things, and she's incredulous why someone would hate somebody else. Just in general, right? Why would you hate that person? I mean. You know, she she's with me with bad drivers. You know, we're on yeah. the same plane there. That's a definite action. There's a reason. Well, those people deserve behind it behind that hatred. I mean, if you're in the left lane, not going. So <sighs> Turn signals, please. <laughs> but uh, but she but she doesn't have the same biases, and I guarantee your kids don't have the same. No, biases. that is that's a generally a true statement. I think so. There's a there's a, it's a, that's the sea change that's going to roll out here. I grew up uh, under uh, parents you know lived in Detroit. In the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. there's a certain level of bias that comes with that. Mm-hmm. They have a slant. They have opinions about other human beings. <laughs> and I did not inherit those. Um, whatever biases I have, my niece doesn't have. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool to see how this is working there. And uh, I think that that's the key. I think our lifetime, we're shot. But the future... Hmm. I I... I like that optimistic view, and I think generally you're right that the biases are different or not there. I guess I would say they tend to be different. Um, and while kids kids these days um, are safe, so when it comes to, say, gay rights, I think there's an issue where generally the younger you, tra- you, the younger you go, the greater the acceptance curve, you know. Um, but... And, but and and with in regards to a tangible thing right now would of course be the candidacy of Bernie Sanders. When you talk about socialism, that's a word that strikes fear into the heart of our parents, mm. and maybe even to us 
a little bit. We grew up in the Cold War. We're lucky yeah. um, it strikes mild curiosity <laughs> into our generation. <laughs> right. Um, but I think that there's... Uh, but I, 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 I tend to think that, that maybe people of a younger age are more open to saying, well, at least going, what is that? Not having a firm conclusion already established that it must be evil. Because I think there's a lot of people that are my age or maybe even just 10 years younger. So, you know late 30s into late 40s, mm-hmm. who, if you say socialism, good or bad, they'll say, oh, it's terrible, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Why? What is it? I don't know. It's just bad. It's just bad. Uh, it just is, because it is. Okay, nice even, talking to even you. Even though they are the, yeah. the proud product of socialism from the no. 40s on. <laughs> but, I think, you you know, know. but again, I think there's a dialogue happening, too. Because the face of socialism, there's now a face to it. To the word socialism, we've now put a face to it. Mm-hmm. And it's like kindly old uncle face that wants everyone to stop picking on this poor lady and her emails. <laughs> Just leave us, let's leave it alone. Don't bother anybody. This face that we put on socialism isn't the face people expected. Mm. No Hitler mustache, yep. no swastikas, no goose stepping, no trying to you know kill everybody. Very um, a conservative gun record, yep. <laughs> voting-wise. That's 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 strange. So the dialogue has started, and we've seen the dialogue start. So no matter how cynical you get, he the fact that he's actually in the running right now and a viable candidate, mm-hmm. calling himself a socialist is such a huge improvement over the eighties and nineties. Well, and, and we are beginning to have that discussion now. Of uh, you know, I, I just saw a great cartoon. Uh, that you know showed a family in a car driving down the road, um, and the father's decrying that socialism is ruining this nation, and then it points out you know they're driving in a car that was uh, in a you know government uh, government bailed out company driving on uh, interstate federal interstate highway system, mm-hmm. uh, drinking water from municipal uh, you know water system, driving to a national park, um, mm-hmm. and listening to radio on government regulated airwaves, and. Uh, and the the conversation is out there of we already in many ways are living in that country and and really this goes back to the new deal and the expansion of the federal government and what it could do to people and there was a there was a great decision made at that crisis point where people were very much open to saying you know the role of the government can be more because whatever it's doing now ain't working and they were open to that expansion, and um, and now you have the the I think the the current Republican Party has as its long term goal is to roll back, and we again we talked about this last week is to roll back the the New Deal mm-hmm. and return mm-hmm. to a, a, a very pastoral federal government whose job it is is to you know make sure that the Lincoln Memorial is clean and um, you know uh, that. Uh, you know, the soldiers all have a gun, mm-hmm. but not much more right. than that. And uh, so, at least that discussion is is occurring to say what kind of a government do you really want? Because the government you say you want, or the government that this side says they want, that's wonderful. You want a government in where there are no taxes, where there are no regulations, and you know it'll. Surely, be a shame when you die of E. coli because there's no more inspectors. Right. I mean, there already aren't enough, you know. And on the down the line, I mean, we're, you know, I, I I don't mind paying taxes 
so that the fire department shows up when there's a fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand that costs money. See, I, I go one better. The socialism is what made America great. I mean, mm-hmm. the rest of the world was not really on board when FDR came up with a lot of these plans, and certainly the corporations weren't on board um, to help out the federal government and turn over their factories and do these things that were necessary to get us rolling again down the road. Um, But if it weren't for those things, we would have had these huge ups and downs and ups and downs from our financial and our economic markets that would have handcuffed us in so many different ways around the world. Um, Not to mention all of the people who have been helped by Social Security or food stamps or all of those things that the Republicans always want to point to the one that never got off food stamps. But how many people did? How many people was that a temporary thing for? They used it. They got on with their life. What would have happened to them had they not gotten the food stamps? If they hadn't had that that safety net is what I always call of all of our social programs for from the evil empire of capitalism. Every program, by the way, which the Republican Party has been against. Yes. Every last program. Mm -hmm. Against Social Security, against Medicaid, against Medicare, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, obviously against uh, Obamacare, to say the least. Um, And elements that now... You know, you look at Social Security and look at Medicare. Um, I mean, these are government programs that are indispensable to the health and life of our nation. Mm-hmm. Millions of people derive their uh, ability to exist uh, from them, and and yet you you have this party in power that uh, would not think twice about destroying them, shutting them down, and 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 it doesn't matter. It, you can give them all the egghead academic studies you want that would lay out what the uh, uh, ramifications of ending Social Security. And, of course, they wouldn't just end it. They want to privatize it, mm-hmm. which is, of course, we want to transfer all this money to Wall yeah. Street. Yeah, Because they just don't have yeah. enough there. Yeah. Public money to, you know, to private and money. And they want to transfer that money to Wall Street. Um, and, of course, you'll lose it eventually. Um, and they want to live with the fiction that, that Social Security is not solvent, when in fact it is very solvent. And that throughout its history there have been times when it's uh, b- the balance sheet hasn't added up, and it's simply been fixed. Mm-hmm. And the last great one was in 1986 yeah. by that liberal <laughs> Ronald Reagan yeah, uh, who made a compromise, mm-hmm. and they fixed the Social Security system. And there have been these fixes along the way. of When you have a big program like this, and that is works in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be balance inequalities that have to be mm-hmm. looked at. In the ju- There's always going to be adjustments. I mean, bottom line, you're always going to have to adjust it. You yep. can't just put it in place and walk away from it. You're always going to have to adjust it. Yeah, your population is going to change. Exactly. Going to and they and the Republicans want to pretend that these adjustments are indeed uh, the end of the program. Oh, it's insolvent. It can't work. And it, No, it, it's very solvent. It mm-hmm. does work. It works. It continues to work. And if you end it, you will end this country as we know it. And it doesn't matter how you, many times you show them how many people are absolutely dependent on this and Mm -hmm. how the benefit that that the economy, that Wall Street derives Mm -hmm. from programs like this, doesn't matter. 
uh, because they're ideologues. They live on ideology, and ideology mm-hmm. is uh, a good ideology, and they they got great ideology. Is impervious to fact. It's impervious to it. And, and if you are, it certainly you is. know, yes. you're it's impervious. Well, to it. it goes back to David's point about they are pitting the two groups against each other. The 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 welfare group is now the welfare queen, you know, uh, mm-hmm. fabricated by Ronald Reagan. Um, and the numbers don't show it. And the poor people are against the rich people for the same reasons. They have everything and won't give it to us. Um, but the whole point of it is is that it is Wall Street that created the need for these programs because of their flamboyant ways. They go for the gold at all costs. And if that wrecks a country in the in the in the process that is perfectly okay with them they are still walking away with their dough yeah you know they'll just go to a different country and do it again to Mm -hmm. a different one and that's what these safety nets are for is to stop that period And, and if we didn't have these we would have been under many many times you know, many, many times over. Um, every recession that we had would have been far too big for us to handle. Right. Especially this one in the last uh, 2008. That's a big one. And going to poor people, are we? Ta- what what yeah, is our time? Nearly an hour. So okay. let's, uh, let's get with uh, Rob's book of the week. Okay, because um, it, it segues right in. Oh, perfect. Segway um, like the wind. Yep. So the uh, my book is The Rich and the Rest of Us by Tavis Smiley and Cornell West. Hmm. Um, once again, I, I always try and go for history. Um, I think it's important to find the core causes that happened long ago. Um, once again, going back to the, the capitalist movement, that caused great turmoil in our economy uh, at all costs. Um, this one um, gives you a few stories of what some real people are really doing in, in this poor economy now, why so many people are on our um, our social programs now, um, and basically the cause is um, the crash. I mean, the crash happened. Thirty percent more people went onto the rolls immediately. I mean, that's there is no question about what was the cause of all of these people coming onto the rolls. It was the crash. The funny thing about it is this book. And something tells me this really isn't going to be funny. No, no, it is. It is kind of amusing that the funny thing is over 57% of Americans still refuse to believe that they are poor. Mm. Interesting. That they are living paycheck to paycheck, living without things that they should have, but still vote Republican vote for uh, capitalist measures because they believe that will help them. And I do believe that this book explains in great detail why it won't. Um, Those things have been proven time and time again that if you give money to the top, it never makes it down to the bottom. You have to start it at the bottom and let it percolate up. Um, So once again, back to history, I think all of us need to, to really study the things that we're all fighting about from a historical stance so that we can sound like we know what we're talking about. Well, and, they, and to, to your point of, uh, so the people that are on the lower end who refuse to believe that they're poor, mm-hmm. you see that on the upper end too, people that are earning, households that are earning half a million dollars in income, Think and that they're they, they say they're middle, no, they say they're middle class. Oh, well. 
So they, when they go, oh, oh, we're middle class. We're not rich by mm-hmm. any means. And whereas I think most people, the, the the true middle class, which is probably going to be, to me, I think middle class tops out at about 100000 combined income. Tops. That's upper middle class in my mind. Mm-hmm. At a hundred grand, and and you're doing so pretty. Exactly. You know, you're doing all right. You're doing okay. I mean, you got bills and all the rest, but you're you're, you're doing okay. You know, one you hospital know. bill is not going to destroy you, right? Um, and I, you know, anywhere down to say fifty, whatever that number is. But it certainly isn't two hundred fifty, and it's certainly not half a million. Um, so it's funny how the 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 top half uh, of the of this group they want to believe that they're middle class because they don't want to be. They don't want to be seen as rich, and we're not mm-hmm. talking the actual rich, right? Okay, because the actual rich really just don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're rich, and they don't care what you think, <laughs> nor nor will they ever. Um, and whereas the people on the bottom, again, we talk about voting against your own economic self interest, um, don't want to acknowledge that they're poor, right? Um, and so we, it's it's an interesting dynamic that people that they're sort of living in this this illusion of, yeah. of where they stand where they stand and and i do think that that has been a a, a very very smart trick from the the 0.01 percent is to shift that tax burden down mm-hmm. to the 500,000 250,000 because there's a much bigger group of them and when taxes come down on them they're the biggest voice against them Right. It really helps the tax cuts. Really help the point zero one percent, and they really don't help the two hundred fifty to five hundred thousand family. But the two hundred fifty to five hundred thousand family is fighting for the point zero one percent because they feel that that is what being taken from it, and it's true. It and is. the, the two hundred fifty to five hundred thousand family are more likely to be small business owners. Yep, you know, are more likely to be entrepreneurs and business owners and and maybe are employing 30 to 50 people they don't own a megacorp but they have a business they have employees that they're they are contributing to the Mm -hmm. economy so when the tax cuts in 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 proportionately disproportionately fall on them you're right and they and and we meanwhile the top where they have all of the wealth they they're not yeah they're they don't care yeah because it's never going to touch them they'll they'll make sure that it never does yeah. cool. who wrote this uh this is the tavis smiley and cornell west it's the rich and the rest of us a mm-hmm. poverty manifesto it's cool you can go to uh the nocryzone.com it's already posted for rob's book of the week with a link to purchase that from blue frog books and more.com where it will be mailed to you with a, in a with a with a note from Rob to you personalized. Yeah. Wait 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 mailed using that socialist delivery system called the mail service. <laughs> That's been well, hey they've tried to shut it down <laughs> several times, and it is still the least expensive way right. to, way to send a package. I always find it funny how people will whenever the price of a stamp goes up a couple of pennies, <laughs> yeah. people will just oh my god. And I'm like, let me get this straight. I can send a letter from Nome, Alaska to Key West, Florida for what is it, 52 cents or whatever. And somehow I'm supposed to complain about that. Right. You know, that that's some outrageous thing that they had to hike it a penny or two. Anyway, that's besides the point. Once again, going along with the adjustments, that an adjustment is the end of the world. Right, right. Exactly. Review and adjust should be part of our normal conversation. Mm -hmm. Did that thing work? Can we adjust it? The Postal Service thing, that's an entire show all on its own. And how the Republicans have tried to destroy it, and given it's just unbelievable metrics to live up to, and it has. 
So <laughs> that's crazy. And Medicaid. And, and Medicare the well. one Department of Government, by the way, mandated in the Constitution. Yes. Makes it very difficult to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a practical point of view. It's, they're, they're trying to kill it under its own weight. <laughs> you know, right, and right. It's not working. Why isn't this working? Oh, forget about it. Let's go after the black guy. Black guy! <laughs> Wait, he's a mail carrier, too. What the? This is, what didn't he do? Thanks, Obama. <laughs> Thanks for the mail. <laughs> Only brings pills. Kill it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Shall we play the game show? Oh, yes. wait, yeah. Headlines. Do we need the rules again? John, Mike, I get them out. All right. Uh, He's gonna write him back. I was gonna write him back. I, I think I got it. I will say it again. Just, just. I need to. No, no, no. Let um, me tell you. Please. You're going to read three headlines. I am. Okay. I need to tell you which one is the true headline. Yeah, not satire. Not the satire headline. Correct. Got it. After you hear all three. <laughs> After I hear all three. And you can choose the same one if you wish, both of you. Okay. You don't have doesn't have to be different. Got it. Because there's only one winner. I don't really agree with him much. <laughs> Which is good. This is why we like you. <laughs> you understood the the rules. So that disagreement, that's uh, what you know starts. what? I don't like you. <laughs> Understanding these rules right All off right, the bat. Okay. Here we are. All right. First one. Poll. Nine out of ten Bernie Sanders supporters are communists who want to destroy money and Jesus. Ben Carson tormented by periodic rational thoughts. And finally, (laughs) this one's not coming up, please. VP is either running for president or just messing with us. Which one of those is not satire? Nine of ten Bernie Sanders uh, supporters are commies. I'll, I'll do it again. Right. Nine out of ten Bernie Sanders supporters are communists who want to destroy money and Jesus. Right. Ben Carson tormented by periodic rational thoughts. I know that's not Sorry. true. I, I, even I laughed at that. <laughs> VP is either running for president or just messing with us. Yeah. Who's going first? Well, I'll go conventional wisdom and say it's the third headline about the VP. VP is either running for yeah. president or just messing with us. That sounds to be rational. Reasonable. It's probably wrong, but I'm going to go with it. I'm going one. I'm well, going the I'm, I'm just them. because that's what I think the, the the corporate media would be putting out. Now, like nine out of ten Bernie Sanders supporters are communists who want to destroy money and Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, I, there, there's no telling where I pulled these from. Right. I get so it. they could be, you know, uh, red state, or it could be a parody site. Could be. It is. It's liberal yeah. darkness with that one. Uh, nine out of ten Bernie Sanders supporters are communists who want to destroy money and Jesus. Uh, no, that's no. that's satire. Um, but oddly, but they took down the polls. Donald Trump <laughs> has a lot of money, thinks he is Jesus, and called Bernie Sanders a communist. So this could have been true. Our second satire: Ben Carson is indeed tormented by periodic rational thoughts. It's satire because he is never tormented <laughs> no. by a rational it's, thought. No, no, no. It's, 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 no. The, 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 he that one. See, you made it easy. <laughs> Normally, it's I got a thirty-three percent chance. Right. This was fifty-fifty because so, I knew that one wasn't. This it. one I wanted to talk about. It was either that one or Bobby Jindal lies to parents about winning GOP nomination. <laughs> <laughs> <Which> is, <laughs> <laughs> now that one I like. He probably already did that one. <laughs> uh, 
this is the I think that's great ones of this today. Uh, Lindsey Graham asks nearby family to take his picture for photo op. <laughs> oh, uh, I was going to use this one too. Uh, David Koch delivers suit with note reading "Wear this tonight" to Marco Rubio's hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yes, indeed. Wow. Our our non satirical headline was "VP is either running for president or just messing with us." Yeah, and what's the answer? I'd say he's running. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't I know. Don't, uh, I I think he's just messing. I think he's stumping well, somehow. I I think he maybe had. A thought of running, but I think after those debates, there's there's just no room for him. Mm-hmm. I don't. Well, they're throwing out the I word. Independent impeachment. Oh, <laughs> on day one. Sorry, if Hillary gets. The win. Oh, I love that. Yeah, if Hillary gets the win, they're they're talking that already. Yeah. Day one. Day Which one. Is, this is much sooner than. than well, it's actually yes. Yeah, exactly. See, and you had you had doubts whether they could transfer their hatred to Hillary. <laughs> yeah, they they're heard. already beginning <laughs> to <laughs> offload some of it. Now hold on, that was uh, who. What? Uh, but Gowdy did tell him to shut up. Well, Gowdy's telling everyone to shut up these days. <laughs> no one told anyone else to shut up for Obama, so... I mean, I have a feeling if, if Gowdy had kids and they came into the room, Daddy, shut up! I just wanted to say you're doing a great job. <laughs> shut up! And your head's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Are we hybrids, uh, Daddy? That's... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. All right. So, um, finally, we're going to end the show on our on my favorite, my very special favorite moment. Uh, we're going to ask a real Jew here, and uh, it's not Jew specific. We're not. Oh. We're not Jew specific. Okay. <laughs> Jew centric. All right. For this particular question, but I want your take on this because right. I posted this on uh, the no, the Facebook page for the No Cry Zone, um, and uh, it's from the Nation, and it's a quote uh, from a, an article in the Nation about the creation of the the Tea Party, mm-hmm. and. Both of your thoughts. I ask a real non-Jew, too. Mm. A Republican lobbyist of my acquaintance whose corporate client has been caught in the middle of the political disturbances shared a provocative insight. I finally figured it out, he told me. Obama created the Tea Party. I laughed at first, but he explained what he meant. We told people that Obama was a dangerous socialist who was going to wreck America and he had to be stopped. When we really knew he was a moderate Democrat, not all that radical, the lobbyist said. But... They believed us. Mm-hmm. Go. So, so <laughs> that is a correct statement. Yeah, but the, I would I want you to gauge the propensity of like why in this cycle could this happen. I what, would like to know why that different? guy told the truth. What made this different? I would say it is the uh, amount of um, melanoma, uh, melatonin in. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Uh, we all have melanoma, melatonin. Uh, melatonin. Oh no, my gosh. I'll be editing this, by the way. It is the fact that the president is African-American. I think what largely uh, enabled these, this particular brand of vitriol to uh, perpetrate itself. A real honest-to-goodness other? Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the latent uh, racism... In the country, I mean, you know, we all celebrated that moment of his election to say, "Oh, we've achieved this great thing," and and indeed, we had achieved this landmark. But it opened the doors, uh, opened the pores, almost, if you will, of I think some deep-seated racism that is still pouring forth uh, from people that it, that follows the dynamic that you just talked about of um, the lobbyists saying, "Well, we, you know, uh, these are, you know, they played the game." 
Oh, you make the other, uh, you paint the other as the devil, and we're the angels, mm-hmm. and uh, you try and get as many people as you can onto your side versus them. Um, and I think there was generally a, <laughs> there may be generally surprise of oh, I can't believe these people believed all that crap, you know, because he is a moderate Democrat. Yeah, and it worked way too well. So what does that say about America? That we're all just that dumb that people can even come out and say this is what we did this is how we did it we lied to you and now still everybody still hates Obama I but mean, they did it so well it came out in a uh, progressive newspaper that is the voice of the devil to begin with mm-hmm. you know this is I think what we've done is we've turned uh, political ideology into faiths yeah we've, we've spiritualized uh, political ideologies to a, such an extent that you know, essentially, if we're someone comes up to, there's no political arguments anymore. It's my particular type of God is better than your tic- you know particular type of God, mm-hmm. and that always ends in a war. Yeah, always inevitable. War of beliefs, and the beliefs are all BS. You they know? certainly are. Because there's only one God, and that's Wall Street. <laughs> I've been uh, praying at the altar of Rob Vidro lately. Yeah, <laughs> very nice. Uh, that's what the incense is for. Yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Why do you know what his bedroom looks like? Or was that for the bathroom? <laughs> well, use the bathroom mirror, and you tell me. <laughs> okay. My, well, we're going to end it on that note. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been another tales of poopy past. <laughs> All right, that is it. Just if you make it through this one, we apologize. Uh, again, there's no cries. We, we applaud you if <laughs> yes. you make it through this. You should run for office. Um, visit us online at uh, thenocryzone.com, and you can go to bluefrogbooksandmore.com and get all the fun stuff like The Rich and the Rest of Us, Rob's Book of the Week. Other than that, keep track, and we'll be seeing you soon on iTunes and Stitcher and, and such. Uh, for John Arking and... Uh, what's your name? Rob Vidro. I'm David Hayes, <laughs> and uh, we're out. I figured I was just getting cut out of that final one since I said it was all mine. Head to abnormalentertainment.com for all of our podcasts and blogs. Go to cinemaheadcheese.com for our movie reviews and news. Don't forget our YouTube channels, Abnormal Podcast and Cinema Head Cheese. Get us on Twitter, at Abnormal Podcast. And find all of our shows and Abnormal Entertainment on Facebook. You've been listening to the Abnormal Entertainment Network. <laughs>